Radio Network. You're with Sarah, Positive Living Vibrations. Today we have somebody that is coming back on my show. She was on my Authentic You shows. And this will be her third presence here, and that is because she is such a great person. This is Jeanette DePatty, a.k.a. The Fat Chick. She's a plus-side certified fitness teacher, marathoner, triathlete, author, public speaker, I heard opera singer who has spent nearly two decades helping thousands of people who haven't exercised in a while or maybe never. They learn to love their bodies and learn to love exercise again. In her roles as a vice president of the Association of Size, Diversity and Health and spokeswoman for NAFA LA, Jeanette devotes um, advocates for the health at every size um, approach to wellness. Jeanette released a book and a DVD, The Fat Chit Works Out, fitness that's fun and feasible for folks of all ages, shapes, sizes, and abilities. She has recently teamed up with Rita Chesting to release a new form for exercises um, of all sizes, uh, fitfatties.com. You can learn more about uh, Jeanette and her local and remote personal training programs, books, DVDs, blogs, and so much more. And you may have actually come across her in Manhattan doing a flash mob for menopause, which I think is absolutely brilliant. I enjoy having Jeanette on the show every time, and I look forward so much to her being here today. Hello, Jeanette, my darling. How are you doing? Oh, I'm terrific. Thanks so much. That's great. So how about, I want to get straight into this uh, flash mobbing. And when I first saw that on (laughs) Facebook where everybody, you know, uh, the hot flash mob, I thought this was absolutely perfect. Not only you were bringing awareness, but you're just allowing people just to express. And how did that come about? You know, I went to a speaker's conference and I ran into a woman there, uh, Dr. Eve A.G., and um, she speaks and writes on menopause issues. And we were just drawn to each other. And it was those things where it's like, I really like how can we work together? And at one point I thought, well, we could do hot flash workouts and different things. But almost simultaneously, we looked at each other and we said, Hot flash mobs. We need to do hot flash mobs. And I think it's so important because um, Eve is really focused on women not dreading menopause mm. to see it as a joyful transition in life instead of, I mean, we've medicalized it so much in our culture to the point where women are terrified yep. of menopause instead of seeing it as um, a transition to a new period of, of creativity and a new time of, of peacefulness and self-actualization, which it really can be. And sensual liberty. That's not for Absolutely. That. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, some of the things that help you through menopause, uh, any challenges that might happen, are a positive attitude and physical activity. So... And a good social network. So the hot flash mob really kind of brought all of those things together. And we uh, set up the hot flash mobs in several cities throughout the country. Um, I choreographed a dance called the Menopause Mambo, (laughs) which you can see on my YouTube channel. um, It's hilarious. (laughs) So uh, the women just learned the Menopause Mambo from watching the video. And the big one we did was in uh, New York City. So, and that was very exciting. Shut up. Sorry, dog interrupters, please go on. <laughs> Canine interrupters. <laughs> woof, woof. <laughs> she just wants her spot in the limelight today. Oh, sure. <laughs> So anyways, we set up this uh, hot flash mob in New York, and it was a true hot flash mob. We, uh, the, the authorities, nobody knew that we were coming, and we had been chatting up the police in the area for a day or two beforehand, right? Because they can shut you down yes. pretty quickly. And so we went out there with our music, and we just did it. And um, it was like about five seconds in, the policeman walked over to the camera crew, and he's like, how long is this going to be? And the camera crew said, two minutes and 30 seconds. He's like, okay, okay. And we were made, you know, we were very careful not right. to interrupt traffic or anything like that. 
And so afterwards we had a big hug and, and it was a wonderful time. But the funny thing is we went up to the policeman and we were like, thank you so much for allowing us to do this. And he's like, are you kidding? He said, my wife is menopausal. There's like 30 menopausal women here. I'm not going to mess with y'all. I'll take down a hardened criminal. No problem. But you ladies just do what you're doing. We I'm don't not want getting... any machetes coming out here. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Oh, wonderful. So... Wonderful. But, you know, that actually kind of hits on something, doesn't it? You know, uh, we talk about PMS. We talk about menopause. And automatically people associate kind of, women gone wild but not the right kind of wildness and you know (laughs) machetes and knives and run for your life and you know it's again it doesn't have to be like that right you know we we can have a different mindset over menopause altogether and of course with nutrition with exercise with a proper uh, perspective over it we can change um you know the discomfort of it completely Well, we can change it somewhat. And I think that every woman's experience of menopause is unique to her. Um, And in some cases, there are real physical and emotional challenges that come with menopause. And and it's important to get the right support to cope with that. Uh, But it doesn't have to be that way for everybody. Some people have a wonderful experience of menopause. And uh, so just going into it with a feeling of dread is really kind of counterproductive. Uh, but I mean, it can't, I don't want to minimize it. It can be very challenging for some women. Uh, but those things, nutrition, uh, good physical activity, a good social network, a good family support, these are all things that can make a huge difference. You don't take things seriously either. You know, everybody else is going to go through it too. Um, you know, um, as you say, having a, a flash mob, making light of it, you know, yes, this is what it is, but it's, I think what the moment you start taking, um, seriousness away from something and lighten it up you know it's mm-hmm. for some people yes it's uncomfortable you can give them that support and for other people I was lucky I was very lucky I had the hot um, the hot flushes but I never had those kind of sweats that would break up and hit people 50 yards away which I know I had some friends right. that were like that and you know I'd have the hot and cold through the night you know blankets off blankets on um, but for the most part I was lucky but you know, I haven't mm-hmm. I haven't been lucky with the other all my life, so I thought I had to be lucky somewhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sooner or later you got to get a break. Yeah, right? exactly. So I kind of got a break with this, and for me, it, at fifty, it, it stopped, and that was it. And you know, I've been the benefits of, and and that's again what I think people. I had a uh, had a show on earlier today where we were talking about retirement is the death of people, and you know. Um, we need to be proactive. We need to be productive. We need to keep our minds going. We need, and our minds need to be kept going by our physicality. And that, you know, this is where you come in so beautifully is that you address people. It doesn't matter their, their physicalities, their shapes, their sizes, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's just lifting up their arms or whatever the case is, do mm-hmm. something, right? Yeah. And, right. Uh, and that we can find that something that, um, that suits us within our own limitations and make us feel good about it and at the same time make our bodies feel better. So let's hit on that a little bit more about, sure. you know, exercising, um, especially if you have maybe a disability or, you know, obstacles in your way. And let's take disabilities. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of people with, like with me, with fibromyalgia. The things I can do is I can walk and I can swim. Uh, climb, uh-huh. climb anything, I can't do that. Aerobics, I can't do that. But I can go out with my dog and walk every day. And when the weather is nice or I can get to a pool, I can swim. So these are right. exercises that are doing me good and they make me feel good because I'm doing them. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, what else have you got to add to that for the people that are, you know, with things like arthritis or fibro or any of those things? Yeah, I work a lot with students that are coping with chronic pain. And in fact, I'm in the process of developing a whole new set of workouts specifically for people coping with different kinds of chronic pain. I'm working with uh, Dr. Paul Christo, who's a renowned Johns Hopkins um, pain specialist, and we're putting together some progressive workouts. Um, the key is that you have to tailor your workouts oh to what your body can do. And it's not going to be the same every day, Mm -hmm. especially if you're coping with chronic pain, you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. And I think if you can go into the workout without preconceived notions of where your body is going to be that day and just 
be quiet in the moment and listen to your body, you can find a way to move your body that's going to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. I think one of the big challenges with co- people coping with chronic pain is that you tend to go into it on a good day. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of adrenaline and you do too much too fast. Yeah. It's and everybody has that problem, but people with chronic pain, especially uh with things like chronic with uh fibromyalgia or arthritis, uh you feel great while you're doing it. And then the next day you just can't move <laughs> right, at yeah. all. Like you can't get to the refrigerator to get a, a bottle of water. You're yeah. just done. Yeah. And I think that's one thing um, with my online coaching. I do online Skype workouts mm-hmm. with people. And very often we start with very simple things like posture mm-hmm. and muscle balancing and isometric exercises If you're coping with a chronic condition and you haven't exercised in a long time, aerobics may not be the place for you to start. (laughs) It really may not. It could be very detrimental. And a very light system of weightlifting or resistance training can be very helpful. And it can be something as simple as getting some water bottles or some soup cans Mm -hmm. or some elastic bands, something really inexpensive, Mm -hmm. less than $10 that you have around your home, and using those things to very gradually build resistance. But if you don't do anything, it tends to degenerate and you tend to freeze. And that's not helpful. But I think so many people have had the experience of working out with a trainer that has no idea what they're going through and um, can't relate to what they're coping with and expects too much of them and doesn't know how to encourage them at the level they, you know, are currently experiencing. You know, the last time I had the flu, I had a really horrible flu and I had a fever of 103 and I was very, very ill. Mm -hmm. But, in a way, I took it as a blessing because I thought, well, on the pain scale of 1 to 10, I'm at a 6. And there are clients of mine that have days that they're at an 8 mm-hmm. to start. And so I was like, okay, I need to get this in my head that this is what my clients feel like. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't have the flu, but in yeah. terms of the pain yeah. level, this is where they are. And I think a lot of people have not made that connection in their head, like what an 8 on the pain yeah. scale feels like. And so that's something that, but I have made amazing progress with my students Mm -hmm. and I've seen students that could barely walk to the, from the car to my class on day one that have really changed their quality of life. And they're going to the, you know, they're taking their kids to Disneyland and they're grocery shopping again, things that many of us take for granted. Physical fitness can allow them to experience those things in life again. Freedom. Yeah. I mean, just, mm-hmm. just getting back to your pain level there, I think, um, you know, I'm sure when you had the flu, your body, would, all you could feel were aches and pains. And it's like these aches and pains are throughout your body and they make everything feel hard to do, hard to lift up your arm, hard to move around, hard to get off a seat. And that actually is really what, what you know, fibromyalgia and arthritis is. It's just aches and pains. It's not everybody thinks, well, the pain level has to be something like, you know, psycho, stabbing at you. No, it's the aches and pains that go on all the time and the fatigue that it brings about. Mm-hmm. And that's the, for mm-hmm. me, the, that's the biggest challenge is the fatigue because you get so very, very tired. And mm-hmm. when you do manage to have a good day and you get out there and you do a walk or, you know, you, you're moving around, you're doing something, uh, it can last you for quite a while, actually. You know, you can really build that up. But it is pay attention to those days when your body says, no, not today. And just understand that that is to that day your body needs to rest and that's what it's needing to do and learn to listen to that. Don't let outside sources bully you into doing something. I think that's true. And and a lot of times I work with my students and myself on the notion of listening to your body on the whisper, right? Mm. Because your body will say, um, um, excuse me. Um, no, I don't think that. And, you can ignore that for a while, yeah. and eventually your body will scream. Yes, right. The there will come a point. Come on, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, red alert, red alert. <laughs> but if you can listen to your body on the whisper, when you if you can listen to your body when it's quietly letting you know, you're going to be way better off mm. in the long run. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I mean, um, 
I mean, we're talking now about weight and people who are overweight. And what happens is for a lot of people with um, that get up into the, to that heavy weight, they become totally immobile because of it. And, you know, I've, I've known a lot of people, and I know a few people in my neighborhood that have um, started on various different type of programs and they've lost the weight and the freedom that they get from f suddenly being able to actually move and go for walks and do things. And, um, yes, we are, a, we are a world where the weight that we're putting on is not nutrition. You know, a lot of people are dying from malnutrition, and it's got nothing to do with their pound size. It's got to do with the quality of food that they're putting in. And the unquality of food that we're putting in, if there's a word such, um, is what's causing an awful lot of these ailments in the first place. When you actually have change, get someone to commit to doing an exercise, are you actually having to change their entire perception of their whole, not just diet, you know, not the word diet, but change the whole outlook on food and what they're eating and how to eat it? You know, I think that there's a lot of misconceptions around diet and food mm -hmm. and fat people, right? I mean, there's a lot of this notion that fat people eat really poorly and thin people eat really well. But yeah. statistically, that's simply not true. Um, and I think that there's a notion, too, that fat people become immobilized because of their fat and that when they lose weight, the weight loss is what allows them to be free and to move physically. Mm -hmm. But in my experience in working with students, that's not the case. I think... People have this idea that um, it, it's not the fat that's immobilizing people. It's people that are immobilizing themselves. Yeah, and you mindset. can, right, and you can move at many different weights. Um, my, I work with Reagan Chastain um, as a partner on many of my projects, and she's, I think, 280 pounds, and she's also a national ballroom dancing champion mm -hmm. at that weight. Right. So you can move your body. There are certain challenges in society in yeah. trying to move your body as a fat person. One is that a lot of places you're not welcome and you're not mm -hmm. treated very well. No. And um, it's very common for a fat person to go to a gym and to be treated with disdain. Yes. And I personally have had some very bad experiences with athletic trainers in the past who made assumptions about me and my body because of my size. Mm -hmm. So what I try and tell people is that it's really about finding a form of movement that feels good to you and starting slowly and exercising gently and exercising for joy. Mm -hmm. It really should be fun. Yes. And sometimes you've got to look around for a while, but I always say exercise is like sex. If you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. Okay? Exactly. Or, or you're doing you're it with the wrong it, person. Or you're doing it with the wrong person or in the wrong place or, but just like. And that's like another thing though, right? Exercise is like finding a right partner to do it with. You know, when you're with somebody that isn't going to pass that judgment, that somebody that isn't going to, you know, um, I'm afraid the, the show, uh, what's that weight loss show? Oh, with, the biggest loser. Yes, yes. You know, for me, I, I hate watching that because, you know, it feels like they're bullying people all the time. You know, well, they and, are bullying people. Right. Let's, and, let's and, you know, it's, to me, it's like an, a form of, of abuse and they're making people mm -hmm. feel, you know, um, useless for being big. And, you know, what about the psyche and how they got there? You know, is it genetic? Is it something that has been, you know, situations of life, you know, because we are emotional people. And I know for me, I gain weight when I'm emotionally stressed. And mm -hmm. it doesn't matter, nothing to do with what food I'm eating. It's just my body turns it into, into fat. And I just don't feel there's any psychological approach to anything. It's just like bully, bully, bully. And then you look at the track record and how many of these people gain back again. And, you know, I think finding a, a, a somebody you can trust in, like yourself, that isn't going to judge, that is going to commend you every time that you even, you know, make one milestone, or even doing it with a partner, somebody that you can trust and do it along with, or going for walks with that isn't that judgment, is very, very important because of society's judgment that keeps pacing on people. Find someone to do it with. I, I think that's really true. And the thing is, you need to spend time 
to do some research and see what works for you, right? Mm-hmm. If you marry the first man you meet, chances are not really so good, right? Nope. <laughs> in terms of exercise, a lot of people do that. They try one kind of exercise. It doesn't, like, ring their bell right. in the disco euphemism. Right. And so then they're like, well, I hate exercise. Well, I think you have to explore and you have to mm-hmm. try different things. And some people really enjoy working out with other people. Some people really do best working out alone. Some people really need that solitary time. Mm -hmm. And you just need to try different things in different places until you find something that you like. Because if you don't find something you like, you're not going to stick with it, right? Because there, there comes a moment into every person's life where they're like, I could be getting an extra hour of sleep. Or I could be going out with my friends drinking wine, or I could be staying home watching the latest episode of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. or I could do my workout. And if your workout sucks, if you hate your workout, guess what? That's not the one you're going to pick. No, and, it's, and just it's not, not working out to the Game of Thrones with a glass of wine in your head. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Whatever works. <laughs> I don't judge, right? <laughs> but kind of a little counterproductive, think, but as you said, make a party out of it. <laughs> exactly. But uh, as far as the biggest loser goes, I think... I mean, I've, I've written extensively about that show on my blog, Fat Chick Sings, and there actually have been research studies done on that show. And what the research studies show is that people are less inclined to exercise after they watch that show. Yeah. And they are even more prejudiced against fat people after they watch that show. So any notion that the show producers give you that it's about, oh, we're doing a good thing for society, no. It's about ratings, period, yeah. full stop. Yeah. And, and it doesn't and really that you benefit society in game. any way. Yeah, yeah. If you if you don't count unless you're right. 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 We celebrate you when you've lost all that weight. Right. You know, up until then you're just a fat slob and that's the way you know, the media treats you, which is and you know what I find in kind of quite interesting, um I'm looking at a lot I love, you know, music shows where people, you know, like the voice. Um, or even the, like American Idol with Candace winning this year. And, you know, when Simon was on, everything was kind of dictated by, you could see that he wanted that thinness, that baby doll, that little pop star that, you know, churn it out. But you look at the singers now, like, you know, Jennifer Hudson, uh, you look at Candace, they're real size women. And we don't see the weight. What we see is the talent. You know, they draw us into who they are and their passion. And we fall in love with them because of that. And, you know, they're not walking around with this size label on the back of their dress. You know, oh, Candace is this size and that's all she is. And I think people have to get over this. Right. They have to get over this completely. I was addressing this on a show earlier today about the Hollywood housewives. You know, we were talking about uh-huh. people getting very rich. Uh, they've got the Hollywood house. They've got the Ferrari. Um, they've got, the, you know, the beautiful nanny. With it. They've got the sexy uh, uh, lawnmower guy. And you know, all of a sudden, nothing is enough for them. Now they kind of turn in on themselves. They're not pretty enough. Um, their boobs aren't mm-hmm. big enough. Their, their dress is not uh, sharp enough. And it just becomes so scary because they've lost all sight of who they are as a person, and it doesn't matter how rich they are, it has not fed them to who they really want to be. It's just become an image thing again. They become a slave. So we have to tell society. I I think that can be true. Um, Yeah, I I think that can be true. I mean, Jennifer Hudson's a very interesting story in that um, she was a plus-size woman Mm -hmm. when she accomplished many of the things uh, that we know her for. And then she became a shill for Weight Watchers, which uh, was an, you know, she lost a whole bunch of weight. But she really came under a tremendous amount of fire because in her Weight Watchers commercials, she said, you know, before I lost weight, I really couldn't do anything in uh, in my life. And we're like, well, (laughs) you won a Grammy. You were nominated for an Oscar. You won an Oscar. These are like pretty major things. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, like, 
if that's like nothing, we want to know what you consider something yeah. other than that check you're getting from Weight Watchers. Right. Like, what is something? Yes. But I think that there there is this notion that um, anything that you accomplish while you're fat doesn't count, which yeah. is ridiculous. I know. It's utterly ridiculous. Absolutely. So I, I think I I think that that I think people are drawn to people on television. And in the movies that look more like them, but they're very rare. They're very hard to find Mm -hmm. because most of Hollywood is not willing to take a risk. They have a formula. They think that formula works. They're not going to mess with it. Right. But I can attest. I mean, I work in Hollywood every day. And you can attest that everybody is real. And, um, well, I can say that Hollywood is the most judgmental place mm-hmm. that I've lived so far in yeah. terms of what is expected of women. And it can be, it's kind of like, if I can make it there, I can make it anywhere, right, as a fat woman, because it's not easy being a mm-hmm. fat woman in Hollywood. But it's my path. It's the path that I'm walking on, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to boogie on down that path. Exactly. That's fine with me. Re-educate <laughs> people out there, you know, that we have to change the stigma. I mean, you, you look at um, anywhere else in the world, there isn't this kind of stigma. And, but, you know, Hollywood, I mean, even New York is so very embracive of all genres. It is it's absolutely, you know, the box of chocolates when you're looking at that is just very diverse. Um, but Hollywood has always got that reputation that really it's just kind of very Barbie dollish, which is not what society wants. So I don't know who yeah. people Although- want to keep deciding this, you know, but... Yeah, I mean, you, you look at... Uh, yeah, I think a lot of it is... Is Sorry? Go ahead. Um, I was... Oh, I was just going to say, I think a lot of it is tastemakers. People yeah. that, you know, people who want to reinforce this notion are thin people because mm-hmm. they like the privilege that comes with being a thin person and the assumptions that come with that, like... Um, thin people are often perceived as disciplined and healthy and yeah. they may not be any of those things, but the perception is that they are and they enjoy that perception. So they tend to work to keep that perception. And that if you're a thin person, then you're automatically a sexy person. And that if you're not, then yes. you can't be sexy. Now, a beautiful picture was posted yes. on Facebook the other day of Marilyn Monroe. And it was Marilyn uh-huh. Monroe kind of in a, I don't know if it was her underwear or a bikini, but, you know, she was very, um, very curvy and she had a nice little belly and she had uh-huh. hips and, you know, everything about her was, was, but it was the way she carried herself. It didn't matter where her weight was because it went up and down. It didn't matter because for her, she was so on, on camera anyway, she was always so confident in her femininity and her womanhood that she just oozed that of being of a woman. And it, nobody looked at her for size this or size that. She was voluptuous and you loved and oozed that central confidence from her. But by today's standards, she'd be a plus size mm-hmm. woman and kind of written off. And it's, uh, you know, times have got to change, folks. We're, we're just as sexy, um, no matter what our size is and stop, uh, stop looking at the, the mm-hmm. fake boobs and the size two waist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we're not thin people bashing. Right. <laughs> no, and because there are people who are naturally of all different shapes and sizes. Yes. And I think I have some clients that are very naturally thin. They eat very healthy, but they're naturally very thin. And, you know, um, some other of my students have t- at times said things like, oh, you just need to eat a sandwich. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I mean, it really can't be about making assumptions yeah. from looking at a person. Right. You know, you know what you can tell from looking at a fat person? You can tell they're fat. Mm-hmm. You can tell they're a person. All the other thing that's happening in your head, that's your assumptions. Yeah. That's not something that is necessarily a truth. Right. About that person. Well, you know, I like the four so, agreements, you know, uh, speak your word with integrity, never take things personally. So if somebody is going to attack you because you're a bigger person, that's their ignorance. Um, never assume, ask, you know, that there's 
this is not just something they've been down at McDonald's mm-hmm. consuming every burger down there and also simply do your best in life. And even as a bigger person, you know, we, we just do our best. My size has been up and down by a few pounds. Uh, I've got pants and things that I can wear that I wore um, eight, ten years ago. And, you know, my weight will go up and down a few pounds, whereas things will be tight mm-hmm. and I can't wear them or they'll be loose. And it just depends on where I'm at. Uh, obviously, I'm in close approaching my 60s now, so things mm-hmm. are becoming a little flabbier than what they used to be. And because of my fiber, I really can't do any heavy weight training or anything like that. But you know what? My body is the the encasing of everything that I am. And I can't honestly say I love myself if I don't learn to embrace and loving my body because my body is who I am as well. So self-love is something that is absolutely imperative for the survival of mankind. And we can't say we mm-hmm. love who we are if we don't say we love our bodies as well. And when we do, we radiate that love and other people pick that up. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's true. It's very interesting that you say that because at times in the past, I've heard, well, we don't want to have a war on fat people. We just want to have a war on fat. And what I've had to explain to people is, look, my fat is not removable, right? I can't, like, unsnap it and put it on a hanger for the night. That is part (laughs) of me. So if you are fighting against my fat, you are fighting against me. I'm an integrated person. Yeah. And I think that a, a lot of this war on obesity, war on obesity rhetoric is so damaging for those reasons, especially when we aim that war at children. It's, yeah. Kids are not prepared. They, you know, they haven't had our 40, 50, 60 years to mm-hmm. get straight about this stuff in their heads. And, uh, fat kids are having a really tough time right now because they are the, you know, victims of a war on them and their bodies. And it becomes and a you bullying can't really separate them. Yeah. Yeah. They're getting bullied. They're getting bullied by, and the other, by the adults. They are. And it also makes bullying from the other kids yes. worse. Mm-hmm. And bullying does not, bullying and shame do not lead to improvements in behavior. No. There's been study after study that shows if you shame and you bully somebody, they're more likely to engage in dangerous and, Absolutely. you know, unproductive behaviors, not improve their behavior as a result. But we keep trying this shame thing over and over again. And you have to wonder, what is that about? I mean, how many times are we going to bang our head against the same notion that doesn't work before we start putting our money and our time and our energy towards something that does? I think what we have to look at here is turn the shame around. We need to look to the food companies that are doing things like GMO, um, you know, the fillers and all the, the chemicals and contaminants, because it's clearly causing, you know, more, let's call it obesity in bodies uh, because they're not getting the nutrition from the food. They're getting fillers. And, you know, especially if you are on a budget, you're more likely to be eating those foods that are absolutely detrimental to you because you can't afford to eat the healthy food. But we're even looking at the healthy food as not being healthy anymore because it's filled with pesticides or GMOs. And, you know, look at corn. It's become extremely detrimental. So, you know, uh, the shaming of the person that has been the victim of profit, we need to be turning that shame around to the people that are producing this food that is not producing a healthy body. And when you're not looking at the obesity being something that is the consumer's fault necessarily, but the quality of food that's going in. It's creating fat rather I, than I, health. I think that's I think that's true to an extent, but um I think it's very easy to overgeneralize about what causes people to be fat. And there are many, many, many reasons why people are fat. There are hundreds of reasons why people are fat. In some cases, it's genetic. In some cases, it's these obesogenic substances that you're talking about. In some cases, there are viral components. There are different um, environmental components. There are emotional components. There are simple diversity components. Some people are just built differently. Some people do eat more. I mean, it's very easy to 
point to one thing and say, well, this is why people are fat and this is why people are fat. But it's very complicated and endocrinologists are at their wits end trying to explain all of the different factors that play into it. Um, and we don't really completely know why any one person is fat. There's a lot of medications also that um, have mm-hmm. obesogenic qualities. Yes. So I think while it's very tempting to say people are fat because, unless you're going to list 20 or 30 things after yeah. that beginning, you're headed into very dangerous territory. And so what I say is people are fat for a lot of reasons. But what we can't, what is very clear is what fat people and thin people can do to have the best quality of life. Mm-hmm. And the answers to those questions are pretty simple. You know, you, you want to get some moderate exercise, 150 minutes a week total is sort of the sweet spot where you, where you really want to be. And you want to eat when you're hungry, stop eating when you're full, eat the best quality things that you can get access to. And make sure, for heaven's sakes, that you can find a way to derive pleasure from your food. Yes. Because there's uh, there's a lot of studies that show that if you don't derive pleasure from your food, you also don't derive nutrients. That all of that right. is and you're combined. not digesting it properly. Yeah. And you're not digesting it properly. So and don't uh, and don't emotionally eat. Don't substitute emotion or things that are going on in your life with food because that is just not feeding your body. It's feeding the emotion, and it becomes you know, a substitute. even that. Even that I'm careful about because unless I am able to provide somebody with an alternative coping mechanism, that might be the coping mechanism that they're dealing with right now. And I can try and steer them towards coping mechanisms that are more productive, but at the same time, just telling them you can't use this coping mechanism anymore isn't always productive. I mean, it's really part of a, of a whole thing. And, um, you know, Everybody emotionally eats sometimes. Mm-hmm. Everybody. That's a normal part of life, right? Whether it's eating because you're at a party, eating in social situations, eating because you feel happy, sad, bored. Thin people do these things as well. And this is a normal part of life. It's when it becomes your primary coping strategy yeah. that we need to look at other coping strategies that we can use to substitute for that coping strategy but I think even saying emotional eating is bad is an oversimplification. And I know, I mean, I annoy people a lot, right? Because they want me to give them these three things that are very pat and mm-hmm. explain everything. But our bodies are wondrous, complex machines. And we only understand so much about it at any given time. So, again, it's about listening to your body and being kind to yourself as you go through the process of finding a better quality of life. When you find people have become more active and and, and become happier in their own lives and start embracing themselves, you know, do you find that their exercising ability goes up? And do you actually find that the weight naturally starts changing in their body, you know, muscle toning or maybe they drop some weight? Because I find that um, when I'm happier, my body will automatically lose weight and has more energy. If I'm not happy or if I'm stressed, my body will shut down more and I'll start gaining the weight because it seems to, the chemistry in my body changes. So do you find that as people start stepping out and start exercising and start feeling better about themselves because they're doing something for themselves, that it kind of triggers that whole um, feeling of good about themselves that starts changing their body, not just from the exercise, but from the chemistry within? I think it changes many things about body chemistry. I think people start feeling better about themselves. Mm-hmm. They start feeling better. They start feeling more energy. They start sleeping better. They start having better sex. Mm-hmm. Everything improves. But weight doesn't always change. In fact, most of the time, weight does not change very significantly for most of the people that I see. Even people who have made tremendous life shifts, there are a few people who are genetically predestined to drop that weight when this chemistry changes. And there's a lot of people who don't drop a lot of weight. Their body, their body makeup, their body composition may change. They Mm. may build more muscle tone, but I don't, I think this notion that when you're right with the world, the weight will come off Mm -hmm. is true for some people. And it's not true for everybody. And I think the real danger of having that notion is that 
um, you know, in many cases, being fat is seen as a mental illness. It's yeah. seen as a sign of a mental illness. And I think that's a very dangerous road to go down because mm-hmm. weight is weight. It's one thing. And it may indicate that a person has mental problems or psychological problems. And it may not. It's it's not cut and dried. So don't address the weight. You know, the thing is, is if you're helping somebody, don't immediately target in on the weight and say, well, you're overweight and by losing weight, you've got to solve all your problems. Get to the root of the problem first. Uh, find out if it is genetic. Find out if this is just the way their body is meant to be. Make the person happier in their own lives and more productive. Mm-hmm. Whatever their weight's going to do, it will do wherever it's meant to be. Exactly. It's and, like with know, me. I mean, I've got why... doctors telling me I'm too big. You know, they tell me I'm a big mm-hmm. frame, I'm tall, uh, but they're telling me I'm 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 too big, I'm too heavy. I've been this weight, as I've said, for years. Uh, you know, within a few pounds up and down. Uh, my body seems to be quite happy with it. You know, I have um, lost a lot of weight where I was at least, you know, two sizes smaller there for a while. And, yeah, that was all very nice, sexy clothes and all of that. But my body went back up to this weight, not because I overate or did anything different. It just, this is where it wants to be. This is where it's happy. So, I mean, we have to accept right. our bodies where they are, where they want to be happy. I think that's true. And that's a really important reason in terms of why I call myself the fat chick. Because people ask me this all the time. Why do you call yourself the fat chick? And one of the reasons that I call myself the fat chick is that I want to get across to people that exercise and fitness looks different on mm-hmm. different people. Mm-hmm. And I think the fitness industry has sold us this notion that if we exercise, we're going to look like this fitness magazine cover model. This is what the fitness industry promises us. And for a very small percentage of the population, that's true. For most of us, we can exercise all day long, every day. We're never going to look like those people on those magazines. Even those people on the magazine covers don't look like that. They've been airbrushed and photoshopped (laughs) and whatever. But... (laughs) I think what happens is the fitness industry says, if you do this, you're going to become a thin person. And it's kind of like if you if you want your kid to clean his room and you tell him, if you clean your room, I'll give you an iPod. Right. Mm -hmm. You promise an iPod that kid's going to clean his room because he wants an iPod. But if at the end of the day you say, well, you didn't clean your room well enough. So here I have this nice educational pamphlet on manatees. Well, after a while, if the kid thinks he's going to get an iPod and he gets an educational pamphlet, he's going to give up on the whole notion of cleaning his room. He's like, forget it. Yeah, you promised something something that I can't have. Yeah. Yeah. So I make it, I try to make it clear to people that there are many, many benefits from exercise and it helps every aspect of your life. The thing that exercise is really bad at is turning fat people into thin people. It's really not very effective at that thing. So I try to be very upfront with that so that people can appreciate the benefits that are coming in instead of giving up because the thing they were promised doesn't happen. Yeah, because you're not about weight loss at all. You're about physical and mental health coming through exercise, feeling good about oneself, embracing mm-hmm. who you are for who you are, yeah. and uh, and just having a better quality mm-hmm. of life through movement, which is if we all start from that level, yeah. you know. Again, if it, if it ends up we lose some weight, we tone some muscle, fantastic, that's what our body wanted. But most of all, it's getting through the day, right. isn't it? Having that energy to feel good about yourself, to go and participate mm-hmm. in life, and know that you can do that. And that's really yes. where the exercise is. Who cares? Yes. I mean, you know, how many 60s or 70-year-olds do we see running around the beach in bikinis? Um, you know, it doesn't matter how thin they are at the time. We all start to sag at some point, you know, and they, they could do with <laughs> a little more happens, weight on them all, to fill yeah. them out, you know. And, you know, we've got to get over this fixation of, of what we deem as a perfect body and start really looking into what is a perfect soul, a perfect heart. You know, and somebody that lives in authentically an embracement of love and who they are and that positive vibration that they uh, they exude because they believe in themselves and in life. Um, that's who we need to embrace I, and not I this fixation of, uh, of, you know, your tag and your weight size. Though we have summer coming up. Do you actually find for certain people that it is harder in the summer? That because of clothing that um, becomes more of a, a you know, we can hide in the winter in the clothing, but in the summer, you've got all these bikini bodies around, especially as you're in Hollywood. Yes. 
I think that it, it becomes an issue for a lot of people and they're fixated on, on, you know, getting ready for bikini season. And, um, I always say the same thing. I'm like, I can get you ready for bikini season in 10 seconds. Are you ready? <laughs> Put on a swimsuit. Right. <laughs> You're ready. <Yes. laughs> Go out and enjoy yourself. You know, I mean, it's, it's really more. Mm-hmm. It's it's a mindset. I mean, I live in Southern California. I'm not going to stay covered up because somebody thinks that my body doesn't look acceptable. Forget mm-hmm. that. I'm going to put on a swimsuit and I'm going to go splash around and I'm going to go live my life. And that's what I tell people, you know, that if you want to get ready for swimsuit season, buy a swimsuit. Done. Yes. You know, that's don't it. Forget your, put don't on don't a swimsuit. Forget your sunscreen. Go swimming. And that's all you need. The swimsuit, the sunscreen and the beach. And your sunscreen. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, especially me. I've got that Irish skin. Uh. I burn like crazy. But, um, you know, I need a hat and the whole nine yards. But seriously, I think we've we've made it into this big thing, and it really doesn't need to be. Yeah. And I think that's an example of how um, we exclude ourselves from things yeah. in life because we believe this rhetoric, and we don't have to. That's a choice we can make. We can choose to say... I've heard your assumptions and I will substitute my own, which is get out of my way. I'm going right, swimming. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I want to enjoy life and uh, your um, assumptions of how or I should enjoy my life based on the way I look is delusional. So therefore I do not accept that delusion. You know, if right. yeah, that's, just, that's basically that's- it. <laughs> I'm not going to live my life based on the contents of your head. Sorry. I mean, that's That's what it boils down to, isn't it? And the other thing is, you know, and the other thing is, too, that, like, very often we assume that people are thinking bad things about us. We take it on. And one thing that I decided a long time ago is, you know, if I'm making assumptions about what's in that other person's head, I can control what those assumptions are. So I'm going to assume that that person is looking at me because they think I am hot (laughs) and they think I'm awesome right? because it's in my head anyways. So why not imagine something wonderful? And, you know, if you believe it, everybody else will believe it. You've got to believe it first. Right. Uh, I mean, look at Mae West. She was an absolute sex symbol. There was nothing size 10 or Mm -hmm. 8 or 2 or 0 about her. But she had men falling all over her because she believed she was sexy. And she poured it on. <laughs> she was yeah. sexy. Yeah. Come up and see me <laughs> sometime. <sick>. You know? <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, the thing is. And there was a woman who gave herself permission, mm. by God. She gave herself permission for anything that just came into her yeah, head. exactly. No apologies. Yeah, absolutely. If you're expecting them, they ain't going to happen, mate, you know? Right, and and it's wonderful to see that confidence in people. You know, I give my position, permit myself permission, um, to be adored by others because I'm gorgeous. And you know, if you go with that, uh, you know, that perception out there, then people are going to look at you in a different limelight. You know, you you hit it the nail on the head. There is that we are so busy, fearful of what other people are going to assume that we cripple ourselves in embracing everything that we are. Our body is the vessel. But, mm-hmm. you know, we've got that soul. We have that mm-hmm. heart. We we have that spirit. We have these wonderful minds. And, you know, when we put those on and focus in on those, this body becomes a very beautiful vessel to carry a very beautiful person. And that's really what we really need to work on. Yes, you know, think healthy. Be healthy in what you mm-hmm. choose to eat. Uh, be healthy and, and do whatever exercise you can do within your limitations because that's caring for that vessel. And we need to care for the vessel. If you don't use it, you mm-hmm. lose it, right? So we need to have movement. But if you don't love yourself I from within and exude yeah. that, you're always going to have this worry of everybody else's assumption. You've got some programs coming up this summer that you're I think that's about. true. How about you tell me about these programs you've got coming yeah, up? Yeah, there's a lot of exciting things. Well, I'm still doing my live streaming. So people all over the world, you can tune in and exercise with me on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays at 8.30 a.m. Pacific time. And um, it's totally free. Just go to my website. And you can even call in, and we can talk to you while we're working out. Excellent. So that's going. That's ongoing. Um, and we have uh, – we still have the Fit Fatties Forum where – 
coming up on 2,000 members, Excellent. so that's pretty exciting. Excellent. And um, we're we're also continuing with the Hot Flash Mob. Uh, that's thehotflashmob.com. And you can organize your own Hot Flash Mob anywhere in the world that you want to and videotape it, and we would love to see it. We'll post it on our site. And uh, we just think women should get together and do that. It's absolutely a hoot. Yes. And uh, there's there's some other things that are coming online pretty soon. If you stay in touch with me on my Facebook page, which is uh, The Fat Chick, or um, on my blog, you will get a lot more details about some really exciting camps and different things that are coming up that I can't quite talk about yet, but very Top soon. secret folks. So you should follow me there. <laughs> she'll, she, yeah. she'll go to China and tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then everybody will know. So um, <laughs> all these wonderful things coming up. Okay, now how about um, because we're in the summer, and in more outdoorsy, we can do a lot more. How about some exercise tips for people on, on maybe take three levels, you know, beginning, entry, medium, and, and those that are really active on uh, what they can do while we're actually in the summer and also maybe what to be careful of because of the overheat. Yeah, heat is really an issue, especially if you are in a humid climate. Mm. And that's true for people of all sizes, you really need to um, increase your hydration level because you don't sweat properly yeah. in humid weather. So you have to make sure that you're staying on top of your hydration. And you have to, again, listen to your body on the whisper. If your body says, I'm really hot, deal with that before you have a heat stroke yeah. or heat exhaustion, both of which can be really quite dangerous. Not very pleasant um, being there, done that. Not good. I think – and. No, really not pleasant. Uh, I would say that now is a great time to do outdoor activities like swimming. Um, you can go to the beach. Actually, walking on sand is a great exercise for your legs because it uses different muscles than walking on a solid mm -hmm. surface. So uh, that can be a really fun thing. And um, swimming is really great for people who are coping with all different conditions, you know, beginning, middle, and advanced. Just be really careful if you're swimming in the ocean or somewhere with currents, for example, that you don't get out beyond yeah. your level because that can also be really dangerous. Um, also, a lot of tendency, yeah, there's a tendency to want to drink alcohol while you're doing summer activities, mm -hmm. and that's something to be very cautious about because um, it makes things like heat stroke and heat exhaustion a lot more likely and dehydration. So you really don't want to do too much drinking of alcohol while you're engaged in summer sports. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, this is a great time to just slap on some sunscreen and, get you know, show some skin, get some vitamin D. Yes. Most women are vitamin D mm -hmm. deficient, and sunlight is one of the best ways to, to um, improve that area of your life. So, yeah, slap on your sunscreen and get out there and do it. That's what I would say. And, uh, by the way, um, uh, drinking beer... And lifting it to your lips and goggling it down is not considered an activity. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's activity. It's I don't not know a it's sports an activity. activity. <laughs> <laughs> it's an activity. And do that. Yeah, and no, also, I would say, activity. if you are going to drink, drink um, uh, either in an air-conditioned or in a shady area. Don't go drinking in the sun because that's something that dehydrates you quite considerably. What about people that aren't near the beach? You know, um, I know yeah. for a lot of people, they love to hike. You know, maybe at one time they could, um, but maybe now that physicality is there. And you know how the mind says, oh, I did it 10 years ago and I loved it. I'm going to go out and do it now. Um, you know, it's um, they climb things or they, they go over things that are just a little bit too adventurous. Have you got any tips for people that prefer to hike rather than beach? There are hikes for every level, right? Like in any town that you can name, there's probably a half mile completely flat hike somewhere that you can take and you can still see a lot of nature, but it's going to be a safe environment. And one of the things that I am also going to be really suggest people be really careful with is a loop trail, right? A loop trail being that you have to finish the entire trail right. to get back yes. because it's real easy to get halfway and not have yeah. the energy to get back. So what I tell people is when you're starting out, you want to do out and back 
and you want to do it short, a short jaunt that is close to civilization, right? So the, the most important tool you can use as a hiker is a fully charged cell phone. Yes. <laughs> you should always have a charged cell phone and keep an eye on whether or not you have reception. But um, you want to be able to call somebody if you're in trouble. You want to let people know that you're going on a hike. But if you, for example, we have a hiking trail. It is a mile and a half long, but it is also about five steps from a major street. So you just go up the steps. And if you need help, you can find help. You know, you can always do a short loop and do it a couple of yeah. times. You just have to really be conscious of, am I going to be able to get back? Am I, am I losing my mind? And, like, climbing, technical climbing is something that you need to train yeah. for. And you need somebody to teach you how to do that right. properly. And you need to be, you know, your body needs to be at a certain fitness level before you go try any of that. What about cycling? Cycling is wonderful. Uh, cycling is another thing where it can be misleading, right? You you feel like everything is fine, and you don't realize how much energy you're mm-hmm. expending, and you can get into trouble. Now, cycling is great because it's a non-weight-bearing exercise, so for people who have joint issues, cycling can be better, or it can be worse. It really depends on what your joint issues are, because Cycling, while it's not weight-bearing, is extremely repetitive in a very small range of motion. So depending on, you really have to listen to your hips and your knees and your ankles and say, is this working for me? And you have to get the bike adjusted properly. And that means go on a short couple short trips, go to the bike store. They're wonderful at the bike store. They'll help you figure it out. But you need to make sure that the seat and the handlebars and the pedals and everything are adjusted properly or you're going to be really in a world of hurt the next day or even the next week. Um, What do you think of things like, um, you know, like Tai Chi or yoga or any of those things? I think they're wonderful if it's your cup of tea, right? Some people love yoga. Some people would rather be beaten with a blunt object. I wouldn't just be able to get off the floor. That's my problem. (laughs) (laughs) You know, actually, that can be a challenge. Um, You can do a lot of yoga moves in Mm -hmm. a chair. And there is um, a proper way to get up and down off the floor. Has anybody taught you the proper way? No, I just generally get on my knees and try and grab something and get up slowly. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? It's a really common thing for someone to get on hands and knees and then want to grab onto something to pull themselves up. But that's a really bad idea because you're putting your whole body weight on a very small group of muscles in your rotator cuff and in your shoulder and it's not uncommon to get shoulder injuries so (laughs) yeah so the best way to get up off the floor watch a baby do it right babies are very intuitive about how to do it and they get down on their knees and then they work that leg out to the Mm -hmm. side you know and then they you know they make a triangle and then they push up off the floor and that's the proper way and it doesn't look gorgeous Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's not like elegant you know george (laughs) balancing stuff (laughs) but it does work better than grabbing and and pulling so um you can also use a chair to hold you know to put your hands on to help push you up but yeah you definitely want to start on hands and knees and then literally go to youtube look at some video of a baby walking for the first time getting up and you'll watch they'll just They'll stick that leg out to the side to make a wider base, and then they'll push up, and then they'll, they'll get there. Right. Mm-hmm. Lots of good mm-hmm. tips, and so we encourage people to, to come and join you with your workout through Skype and all the things that are going on. Uh, we've got about a minute left. Could you just run everybody through again uh, how they can get hold of you, your various sites and blogs? So the central place is my website, thefatchick.com. That's not just any fat chick now. It's thefatchick.com. <laughs> <laughs> There's also my blog, fatchicksings.com. I'm on the forum at fitfattiesforum.com or fitfatties.com. If you want to get on with the Hot Flash Mob, that's thehotflashmob.com. I'm on Facebook as The Fat Chick, and I have a YouTube channel, YouTube slash Jeanette Wonderful. And uh, as I discovered today, she's an opera singer as well. So we hope to actually have some music on her. <laughs> some music from her. 
recovering opera singer. singer. Well, you know, we we want her into out of the recovery and into sing for us one day. So when we get some of that music, we'll make sure that we have it on our station for all to enjoy. Thank you so much once again, uh, Jeanette. I love having you on. You're always mindful of uh, of information for everybody. I'm picking up.